Right. And, and it's seven, and which seven, means so. that the two of us create a perfect unit for podcasting. This is so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm your host, Daniel Fox, here with my great friend, Tom Balzamo. How are you, Tom? Hey, good. Good, good. And I have to say, and I'll explain later uh, the significance of this, but this is episode 151. 151. Uh, mm, mm, uh, 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 what? And there's, yeah, there's got to be some big, uh, major significance you, here because just, numbers... Uh, Numbers matter. Just, just to be clear, it's uh, it's one fifty-two. Oh no! <laughs> I'll find a, I'll find a way do to you, make it significant. Do you no, know why I, you were off? Is because we had Pastor Blair on here. Okay, and so, so like I was your, out of your brain is for behind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, your brain is behind one episode. Yeah, so. give me a couple of years, and it'll regain that week. Okay. Well, welcome back to the discussion, and we want to thank at the outset our patrons over at patreon.com slash reason together, and yes. uh, for all that you do and how you invest in what we do, really touched. Thank you very much, and, uh, and if you have anything you want to add to the conversation, maybe it's about what we're talking about, maybe it's a past episode you've been listening through, kind of cherry-picking certain episodes that sounded interesting. Uh, Tom does a great job with those titles on the uh, on the episodes <laughs> to where it really gets you in, but you have no idea what we're going to talk about. And uh, so <laughs> you said, I've, I've, I've listened to a few of those. It's brought up some subjects that I think I, I want to ask something further, or I have a, a perspective on. Well, let us know. ReasonTogetherPodcast at gmail.com. ReasonTogetherPodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and one of the things I was going to say about becoming a patron too is uh, just this week we had a request for something and we put out a poll. We can do that with our patron message board. We put out a poll to the supporters of this podcast and they voted on something and we mm -hmm. get to make decisions based on some things that we put out that they vote on and such. So you, you in a sense, by becoming a patron, do have some pull. You have some sway, some influence here. Uh, with the podcast to kind of shape this a little bit as well. So uh, we would appreciate your input on that if you'd like to become a patron over at patreon.com slash reason together. All right. Um, so um, I, I was still, I had to kind of rack my brain to, to come up with why this episode number was still significant. And it is, I can still make it significant because numbers okay. matter. And, uh, uh and this might be a shorter episode because my voice might wear out here. I'm uh, on the yeah, tail end of a... We can take it easy on you today. All right. All right. So um, anyway, we've got a couple main questions. Um, but as we started out, I just have to <clears throat> say something. I, you know, I'm, I try to be a pretty nice guy um, generally, right? Um, but really, there is... Yeah, I, I, I wasn't yeah, sure kinda. about that. Yeah, um, right. I, I know. Couldn't tell. You, th you thought I was kind of snarky and and uh, things like that, but I uh, there there is an issue that I well there are different issues that I would kind of see myself as kind of skeptical. You know, I'm a I'm a developing skeptic in some areas, <clears throat> which just means I guess in some ways that means you're discerning and that you you know you kind of analyze thought. But um, um, I was I, I have, was just, not to be overly pedantic. Yeah, but like. Everyone is skeptical about some things ah, and open yes. about some things. Ah, 
So like that's another like I think discussion everyone, we could have. Yeah, like like some this the same thing. We'll say, oh, I'm skeptical. Well, we're not skeptical about everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> some things we're right. just downright gullible about. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, that's what. Yeah. Thank you for the clarification. <laughs> pedantic, no. pedantic point of the day. I will be the first right. to admit I am gullible about some things, and I am skeptical about some things. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was doing uh, some study on something. I was looking up, I think, some maps for my Sunday school study. And, you know, as it happens, you you kind of hit several different sites along the way. You know, you do a search and you find. So anyway, I found this this site and I thought, oh, it's, got, it's got some good maps. Well, then a different part of the site had, um, had this PowerPoint presentation and, um, and it called it, let's see here, uh, Bible numerics. Have you ever heard it called that before? Have you ever heard that term? No, I have not. Yeah. No. Well, I typically would call it numerology. Um, mm-hmm. That's the term. But th- this was kind of new to me to call it numerics. So it seems what like it, we, we, did, uh, we did something on this recently, didn't we? Yeah, we did. It wasn't too long, but I saw it again mm-hmm. and I thought, I, I just have to point this out. I just, it's okay. something that, um, that I understand that a number is a number and it has some obvious significance to it. Um, I also understand that you can recognize patterns in the Bible. And by pattern, I just simply mean the same number used in different Mm -hmm. scenarios. You know, you have 12 apostles and 12 tribes of Israel. You know, you have uh, 40 Mm -hmm. days that it rained and 40 days Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and 40 years of the Israel was in the wilderness. Okay, I get that. Um, There's, you know, there's seven, you know, in Revelation, you have seven stars and seven churches and seven spirits and seven seals and seven bolts, you know, and all that. So there's a lot of sevens. I get that. Uh, But I, I, I just really gets me when, when people go like really digging to find significance in this combination of numbers. Um, And the point was that, you know, this, this helps prove the validity of the Bible. You know, as if we don't really have some very on its face obvious reasons to believe in the validity of the Bible. You know, right. we have to go digging for like numerical codes or whatever. So it mm-hmm. brings into play a man by the name of Dr. Painan. Now, Dr. Painan, I'm sure, was a smart man and maybe he was a godly man. Um, I don't know that he's still living. How do you spell anyway, it? P A N I N. P A N I N. I don't remember his first name. But um, just. Just the things I run across, I'm like, really? I, I, yeah. So it says um, he found these two combinations. Now, what they would do is they would take like the word in the Hebrew and they'd say, well, now every letter stands for a number, which mm. I think is true in the Hebrew language that they'd use letters to be indicative of numbers. So then, so then you take like the number of every letter and you, you, you add it together, and that would be the number of that word. Does that make sense? Uh, hold on. Explain to me for a second. You, you back up like like 10 seconds. You said something <laughs> about in the Hebrew language that they intentionally used letters to represent numbers. Yes, and I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, real um, knowledgeable on this, but I know that actually is the case in, in certain, uh, or at least I... Yeah, I, I think it is that on certain, I'm trying to think as I was learning, I was learning the, the vocabulary. There was a word for, you know, 100, 200, 300, 400. But, um, but yes, I believe I've been introduced to that, that thought that, 
there are letters that stand for certain numbers. Is there like an example? Like, cause I'm curious, I, I can't wrap my head around it and, sure. without hearing like an example. So, okay. So according to this chart, now I'm kind of taking the chart at face value here. Now, this is not what I, you know, gained from my professor, but what, what is here on the site, uh, they call that, I guess they call the idea of as ascribing a number to a letter, uh, gematria, something like that. So so uh, the letter baith would be the number one, and I don't know, I don't know why. Um, uh, no, oh no, I'm sorry. Um, the letter. See, actually, he doesn't have olive here as a as a letter, which is interesting. Oh, say anyway, he has a letter baith is the number two. The letter resh is the number two hundred. Oh, there he does have olive. I don't know why he put him out of order. So he's got uh, olive as the number one because it's, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so he's got the. Uh, uh, let's see, Yod is the number 10. Hey, uh, or te, is that 10? Anyway, there's a number 400. So in the name and God. This is, this is from Dr. Painan. Correct. So, or this, or this, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm imagine Dr. Painan shows this. This is a, uh, a PowerPoint presentation that references Dr. Painan and probably a lot of what he does. And it has this chart on it. So like the name for God uh, excuse me, not the name, the title for God in Hebrew is Elohim. And mm -hmm. using the uh, Aleph, Lameth, He, Yod, Mem that's in that name, and you take the numbers that are ascribed to Aleph and Lameth and He, and, and you add them all together, then the number, you know, of God's title is 86. Okay. <laughs> Track with me here now. <laughs> and oh, so, uh, okay. Well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Not to circle back around, but I am a skeptic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Okay. I mean, so. even if, even if this, this table is totally legit, you know, that <laughs> Hebrews, that Hebrews knew that, that, oh yeah, if you, you know, if you're writing a document, if you're, if you're do, you know, dealing with tables of numbers, instead of writing out the name of the number, like when we, when we do on a check, we say $32 and, you know, on the long line. But on the in the in the box, we just put the num the numeral, mm -hmm. right? So let's say they use letters as numerals, and instead of writing three thousand, you know, they just put a certain number, or or instead of writing forty, they just wrote mem. Okay, assuming that the that Which, the you know just in case there's listeners that don't know when when Daniel's using a word like mem, there he is referencing right. a Hebrew Hebrew letter letter. Yes, yes. Though though the pronunciation seems to vary quite widely. Um, so and, and so if you've if you've got so let's assume the chart is correct that okay they actually mm -hmm. use letters this way that he's not making it up still the significance that you draw from it okay so the word god 86 this is now this is a two he found he found these two combinations the word god 86 and the heaven equaling 395 hmm. plus the earth equal 296 all those get together equal guess 777 three sevens huh what about it okay wait what if that doesn't wow you enough though the word god can, and <laughs> and the can heaven can i just say <laughs> like i feel vicariously embarrassed for you reading this Oh, this is like, fun. I, I'm sitting here cringing, thinking, oh no, hopefully someone doesn't come into this conversation right at this point and think we are considering this earnestly. Um, 
what's this Reason Together podcast stuff all about? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> word plus heaven. <laughs> okay, so then the These word... These guys are the Illuminati. Yeah, the word <laughs> God plus the heaven, you know, in Hebrew, when you total all that up, plus, and this, I totally don't even understand this. This is so random. Uh, plus the word and. And? Equal and equals 888 okay so but but this guy so god the heaven and 888 so then he says number 888 equals jesus written in greek (laughs) okay well even if it does you put together the word god and the heaven okay uh, you know what I mean? I don't, I'm not, I don't understand the significance of it. So, uh, so then I'm reading down. This, okay. This is, uh, yeah, it hurts. This is, this is confirmation bias is what it is. <laughs> I mean, so, the guy must have some sort of conclusions he's wanting to draw and he's simply then now seeing patterns well, that he wants to see. It certainly looks that way because I mean, that seemed kind of random. Like, okay, so what is this? What, how do you connect the two? Well, then he gets right. into number seven, how there's, Seven words of Genesis and, and Ge- or seven words of Genesis one one have twenty eight letters, which is seven times four. The value of the first and the last letters of the first half equal forty two, which is seven times six. You know, and all this stuff. This so, is okay. this is smoke and mirrors. This is smoke and mirrors <laughs> because by taking any word and combination of letters and converting them to numbers, you created yourself for yourself an infinite number of probabilities that you can say whatever you want to say. Well, I mean, yeah, it really seems like you can twist it that way. I mean, I I could say there's 66 books of the Bible, right? And the, the number of the beast is 666. So the Bible is actually a big ruse and it's fooled us all for all these years now and you know it's you know i mean you can you can use numbers to say whatever oh, you want to say yeah yeah well here's where it took it the second step when i was like okay all right that tip is scale i mean again i i don't i don't discount that there's bi- numbers in the bible there may be some significance sure. to it but here some we go the yes the values of the letters in god wait the values of the letters in god added equal 86 Okay, wait. Which is eight plus six? See, because eighty-six is an eight next to a six. Mm-hmm. And if you if you add those two, eight plus six equals fourteen, which is seven times two. There's our seven. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So that's why it's so significant. See that this is episode one hundred. 52 52 because yeah. if you add one <clears throat> and five and two you get eight, eight and eight yes. is seven plus one right and if you do seven times one seven which means this Whoa. is yes this is the episode of completion this so is like a is, this is like essentially what? a perfect episode because you know that uh that <laughs> certain numbers mean like certain things right <laughs> because we just right. everybody everybody knows that, that right right so because numbers know don't that. lie right numbers would never lie <laughs> no and because um, we all just know that um yeah so we're not allowed to have an episode 153 now i guess well there i'm sure there'll be significance to that no doubt about it right um <laughs> and 
Uh, I'm struggling to, find... to figure out what it is. <laughs> let's see, 153 will be, uh, let's see, 15 times 3 would be... Uh, 45. 45. 4 plus 5. No, 4 times 5. No, 4 plus 5 would be yeah. 9. 9 yeah. is Four. 7 plus yeah. 2. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and there's two of us. Right. And, and it's seven, and which seven, means so. that the two of us create a perfect unit for podcasting. This is so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I just... For both of you that are still listening by this point, <laughs> yeah. um, we don't intend to do this for the entire duration of the episode. No. Oh, um, yeah, I don't know how how someone can get away with this. And, and what I think it comes down to is, you know, Christians are meant to walk by faith and not by sight. Right. And, and sometimes people take doctrines of the Bible or principles of the Bible and, and numerology is just one example where they try to make it into an empirical science. Mm. Right. Not that there's nothing scientific about the Bible. Certainly the Bible and science oh, yeah. agree yeah. when it's good science, but, you know, like I forget when we talked about this, we might've talked about this with the, the music thing, trying to make, you know, the decision about godly music, a mathematical decision so that we can have surety about it, essentially removing the conscience from the issue. And, and this is, this guy's trying to do this with the whole Bible, right? Um, he's trying right. to make it into yeah, a mathematical yeah. science so that he can't be wrong, <laughs> but with an infinite number of possibilities, if you can take letters and make them into numbers, you have an infinite number of possibilities. I can come up with a counterpoint to every point that he makes, and I could be just as right using numbers. Using numbers, yeah. Because you'll see whatever combination you want to see. Now, Am I, I wrong? So, um, no, not necessarily. It, uh, of course, it sounds fascinating to people. Oh, whoa. You know, <clears throat> that's really amazing that there's that many words and the letters combined equal this, which is... Yeah the name of this, which is, but yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, I, I don't, smoke I, and don't mirrors. I don't mean to like, yeah, I, was, I don't mean to shoot it in the head, but I do mean to sort of beat it while it's down. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it really, no, is, we do. We do mean to shoot it in the head and beat it while it's down. We, <laughs> we have every intention of doing those things. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess I, I do, but it's, I, again, with the caveat that I understand we look and say, hmm, wow, what is the connection between 40 days in the wilderness, 40 days of temptation, 40 days of rain, you know? And, but I just have mm -hmm. to say in my limited finite knowledge, I don't know. <laughs> you know, is, yeah. that the, is that the number of testing? Um, not necessarily, because other people were probably tested over a longer period or a shorter period. Sure. You know right, what I mean? Right. Um, now, could they somehow sort of illustrate each other. Okay. But I mean, it's nothing super yeah. solid with me because it's not outright said. I, I don't know. It just doesn't make yeah. such a conclusive well, it's, uh, it's the difference between It's the difference between observation and imposition. So like, you know, the old dispensational um, thing, if you were to read, I think it was, um, who's the guy that mm -hmm. wrote that, that, um, Oh, I can't. was it Ryrie? It wasn't Ryrie, Ryrie was it? dispensationalism. That's it. Yeah, yeah, dispensationalism. So. Mm -hmm. One of the things he says at the beginning is that when it comes to dispensations, we observe them in the Bible, 
but we do not impose them upon the Bible. Mm. And, and I think that's a that's an interesting point to make. And I think in a sense, he was saying, you know, this is not something that the Bible overtly states yes, in, yeah, in so yeah. many terms. It's simply an observation that we're making about the structure of it and how it appears. And so even in that case, we have to be careful not to over-define it right, and then make which, it too structured and rigid, you know. And right, then, which was then, the reason for hyper-dispensationalism, which hmm. I forget who wrote that, but um, it might have been. I forget, but that's the but, idea of hyper-dispensationalism. But yeah, with the numerology thing, I think it's fair if you're making the observation about 40 days and so on, how many things happened for a period of 40 days in the Bible, yeah. or even 40 years even, you know, are we observing that maybe there is some significance to yeah. that? Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I would say there must be some significance to that. But to then take that and impose that everywhere else in the Bible where you yes, see okay. the number Good. 40, right. now you're moving from observation to imposition. But, yeah. And, and in the middle of that is this sort of extrapolating out of those uh, observations um, a meaning, like you're saying. And then I take that meaning right. and I apply it to other passages. Because one guy told me, you know, 12 is the number of leadership or something like that. And I was like, what? I Ooh. thought- I've never heard of that before. You know, 12 is the number of leadership. So what does that mean wow. when they collected 12 baskets of food after he fed? Thought like, what? <laughs> uh, you know, I just, uh, right. leadership food. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> what, what does that mean? Um, right, you know, right. so it's just, yeah, it's just, it goes too far. Um, right. And, I, well, I, and mean, I just, I find it so funny though, because you can just twist it and make all kinds of jokes about it. And I don't, of course, mean to be irreverent to any text of scripture, but I'm just saying the actual... Uh, study or the actual um, trade of numerics here to me, I find comical. Right. Well, and, I think there there is a sure, and and there is a fair place for, as you say, extrapolation or or as I would say, inference. You know, mm -hmm. inferring something, looking at a sample of information, and then mm -hmm. inferring something about that sample onto a population at large uh, of text in the scripture. There is a place for inference, but. I think we have to be, you know, a little less dogmatic sometimes about inference and mm -hmm. extrapolation mm -hmm. um, without having a direct text of scripture that says that extrapolation is fair. <clears throat> Good. And, um, you know, and you can, you can say some of some people, well, I'm glad that you know, at least they had a desire to, you know, believe the word, the, the Bible was the word of God, but I just don't think the way they went about it was, uh, <clears throat> was healthy necessarily. So sure. let's move into our actual questions now that we've uh, had fun with that for a while. Which yeah. one do you want to touch on first? Uh, your choice today. Okay. Um, boy, let's see. What, um, let's start off with, um, with the rest so we can deal with okay. that one uh, more fully. Um, Tim writes in and he says, um, I've been thinking about this one for a while. What is the biblical teaching on rest? To put it into modern terms, what does the Bible say about an appropriate work-life balance? Or what is the biblical justification for taking a vacation? So um, this is good. And he brings up in here, I don't know that I want to read all of this, but he mentions how God rested on the seventh day. Um, mm -hmm. He said... Uh, um, Let's see. There seems to be a growing interest in evangelicalism in reinstating the Sabbath. Um, and so he didn't see a justification for that, though the principle still seems to be there. And I agree. 
Um, mm-hmm. He mentions Elijah um, in First Kings 19, physically, emotionally, spiritually drained, how God ministered to him um, mm-hmm. for a time before uh, addressing other, his spiritual needs. Um, he mentions that Jesus did not take a vacation, um, but he did send multitudes away and went up into the mountain alone to spend time with his father. We can discuss that more. And then um, he says, and I want to get down to this because he, ask, he asks the question well, in my opinion, there seems to be an idea in IFB circles that it is a spiritual thing, it's a spiritual thing to sacrifice oneself and one's family <laughs> and to burn Mm. out in full-time ministry. I fear that some pastors are doing this with great success. It's based on verses, and I looked up the verses, and it's the idea of, you know, except one denies himself, um, except you hate your father and your mother, yea, in your own life also, you cannot be my disciple. So that idea of sacrificing yourself, Paul said, I would gladly spend and be spent for you. Paul frequently called himself a servant of Jesus Christ. So he asked this question, what is the biblical counterbalance to these verses? If the Bible talks about sac- you know, uh, denying yourself, spending and being spent, uh, hating your own life also, what's the biblical counterbalance that brings us to an equilibrium on how we're supposed to approach ministry in life? Uh, where's the place for rest and even what we might call a vacation? Hmm. Wow. Uh, that's a very good question. And I, I, I'm probably not the best person to answer this question. <laughs> um, <laughs> Explain your, what you mean. I, I don't, I don't do rest well. I, I don't, um, mm. I, this is, this is a, a fault of mine. I, I don't do rest well. I'm, I have some addiction, addictive traits toward doing things mm. and it's like as much as I want to rest, I just I get fidgety, and I just can't seem to do it very well. So I I don't know that I'm super qualified to answer this question. Um, and you know I realize that that causes me some health issues. <laughs> mm, <laughs> I'm totally yeah, aware yeah. of that. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm tr- I'm trying to think. I mean, as far as to kind of back up for a second to the first part of his question, with the yeah, example of several parts there. Yeah, he gives the example of God resting on the seventh day, and, and I think, I think Tim knows this just from reading the fullness of his question here. But I mean, God didn't need to rest; <laughs> he wasn't tired. It just simply means that he stopped from working. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I, I suppose maybe that's somewhat splitting hairs, but, but the example was set for us in God stopping from working, and what comes to mind in thinking about the application of this when Jesus walked the earth is that he said the Sabbath was made for man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So God seems to have prescriptively exemplified the Sabbath for the purpose of man benefiting from it. Because man does need rest. Right. God doesn't, but man does. Right. So it wasn't necessarily something of a function to be done for God's sake. It was for man's sake. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. Sure. But I guess what always confuses me and, and it, or I shouldn't say it confuses me. It, it should more or less, you know, what's the best way to understand the saying that in the New Testament, 
since we're not obligated by ceremonial law to observe a Sabbath, um, what does it then mean that Jesus Christ himself is our Sabbath? And this is the phrase that I have heard said before, that for the New Testament Christian, Christ is our rest. He is our Sabbath. Um, and and what is, I, I think somewhat of the answer to Tim's question may be found in that, possibly. Hmm. What, what, are, what are your thoughts on that saying? Well, I would say that uh, we kind of divide the Sabbath up here a little bit as far as chronologically. Um, in the beginning, the very creation week, uh, a Sabbath, if you will, was demonstrated. And so hmm. do, I agree with Tim that I think the principle is still there, always has been there that there is there is an appropriate time of rest mm -hmm. whether it's for our bodies maybe even for like when later on with israel it was actually their fields you know um but when you get to israel now it becomes um maybe even more of a picture and it becomes of course a national standard um and a part of their code things like that that there's very specific things and of course then they the religious leaders took that probably even to the nth degree of, of over-defining what rest actually was. But the idea, basically, keep the Sabbath holy. Uh, mm -hmm. Keep it distinct. Set it apart. Don't, don't buy and sell on the Sabbath, things like that. You know, make it a day, right. a day of rest. So those things, just like the Jewish sacrificial system, were typical you know, of, uh, of the coming Messiah, that he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, or he was the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, like all their sacrificial lambs. Well, in the same way, you know, the writer of Hebrews is appealing back to Hebrew people and saying this Sabbath, you know, you're, you're familiar with the Sabbath. Now he is our rest. So in that way, he, I think, fulfilled that picture, but it doesn't yeah. do away with the principle that was set up in creation week that Man needs rest, and we need to, right. you know, uh, keep that thing, uh, you know, anyway, that man needs rest, just like God gave us, like you said, the example. Sure. And I think he, he meant, you know, for people in ministry, that there's almost a level in some ways of complication, because typically, now I guess I, more and more in our modern day, maybe this isn't the case, you know, nurses and different people work on the weekends, but a lot of people, mm -hmm. Monday to Friday, right? Saturday and Sunday is a weekend, not for a pastor, you know, Sunday mm -hmm. is not a day of rest for a no. pastor. And Saturday, if they're like me, you know, Saturday is kind of a gear up day. You're getting, you know, the details and order yep. and things like that. It, I wouldn't even feel real comfortable taking the day off on Saturday because nope. yeah, you'd feel like, oh, I, I wouldn't come into Sunday, you know, as prepared as I should be. So, you know, if he's not going to take Saturday, Sunday off, well, then he's got to, he's got to somehow set apart a day in the week, or if not a day or day and a half or whatever, later in the week to say, now this is my time of rest. This is when my family gets to let down. This is when I spend time with them. This is when I, you know, I, I do something other than, you know, just keep deadheading the projects and the obligations and the duties um, at, at church. So yeah, I, I think especially for people in ministry, that can become, um, that could be an issue. I could see it because, you know, the typical, oh, everybody's yeah. off Sunday. No, not him. <laughs> the, right. What do we make of the, the, the fact that in the New Testament, in more than one place, Jesus reaffirms the commandments, right? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly, I'm thinking in his Sermon on the Mount, uh, he at numerous points not only confirms but elevates the Ten Commandments. But yet there is one that he did not. In fact, I don't know that he ever reaffirmed it in the New Testament, and, and mm-hmm. I'm willing to be corrected on that, but it's the commandment regarding the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So some would argue that that would mean that there's really no place for a Sabbath for for the New Testament Christian. But I don't think that's the case. I think it's simply that it doesn't have to be on the Sabbath day for the New Testament Christian. Mm, that's interesting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that rest is still exemplified for us by God himself um, because we need it. And he, he does actually affirm in the New Testament that the Sabbath was made for man. So we still need it by the New Testament day, but he doesn't reaffirm the Sabbath day itself. Hmm. Well, I mean, maybe not in actually uh, recounting it as a command, though, as you've already stated, he every week he sort of reaffirmed the Sabbath by observing, by observing it. it. Yeah. Right. Because um, he was Jewish. Right. Exactly. Um, so, um, I, again, I, I think there can be a distinction between the Jewish observance of Sabbath and the general hu- human principle of Sabbath that was, mm-hmm. you know, begun in creation week. Um, to go to his later point, um, he says, he's talking about a vacation. I first of all deal with that. Um, of course, you know, Jesus didn't take a vacation and he didn't ever say why, but I, you know, my, my simple thought would be, well, he had a, a very distinct purpose. He had three years yes. to accomplish it and, yes. you know, it didn't, but but the other thing is, though, when he did dismiss the people, you know, and went up into a mountain to pray, we're like, well, that's not very restful, <clears throat> you know, whatever. I think you could at least argue that he recognized his boundaries, uh, meaning he knew I've got to go pray. Uh, I, can't, I can't just hang around with the people 24-7. Um, I have to take time to pray. And and that does deal with the rest issue is knowing when to say, no, enough is an, I have to make a boundary here. I, I have to, um, to bring in kind of a more modern, uh, approach to this people, you know, no, you know, your internal, no, know when to say no, but because a lot of people may be making demands of you, you know, and as I'm sure they were of Jesus, you know, heal more, teach us more, feed us more, do this, do this. And they're, you know, pressing on him and following him. And so sometimes he had really long days. But then also realized that he needed um, needed to pray. That was something that he needed. So recognizing that simple principle that you got to know what you need, and um, and if you need rest, you have to be alert to that and not feel bad getting rest. But when he gets to when he basically asks this question, Tim says, "What is the biblical counterbalance to the verses that say, you know, deny yourself, uh, yea, hate your own life, also spend and be spent." That doesn't, as we read those verses, we could make them mean that, but deny yourself doesn't mean like forget about any habit that's healthful to you, you know, deny yourself. Don't eat until you, until you're like, your stomach is so painful. You're like, oh my goodness, I need to eat. I forgot, you know, no, that's not, or you hate your own life also. So now you're going to um, become an anorexic, you know, you're going to starve yourself. No, no, that's not what it's talking about. Um, so to me, the counterbalance to that would be some ideas of this stewardship, um, 
you know, as we, we read about that concept in scripture of, and, and that we are stewards, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man, uh, am I, am I remembering that correctly? Moreover, it is required yeah. in, is it stewards? Is that what it says in first Corinthians? Okay. That a man be found, that a man be found faithful. Okay. So if we understand the concept of stewardship, it means that you are handling or managing something that God has given to you. Well, God has given you, you know, life and God has given you uh, health. And if he's given you health, now some people don't have a lot of health to steward, but anyway, God has given you those things and you ought to steward that. So how do I steward my health? Is it just by blowing it and spending it and taking a flamethrower to it? Or do I have to kind of manage my schedule and my stress level and, mm -hmm. and my obligations so that I'm in it for the long haul? I mean, we do talk about, um, you know, it usually comes up when, when people are smoking a cigarette, right? They're, they're harming God's temple. Okay. Well, if we're God's temple and we're running, you know, and, and we're workaholics and we're driving ourselves into the ground, what are we doing to God's temple? I mean, it's the same principle um, that we need to be aware of how we're treating the mm. temple of God and, and recognizing what is healthy, if I can put it that way, and what is not. Now, this isn't to... This isn't that sound this. you're hearing, folks, is the sound of my toes getting stepped on violently here <laughs> by Pastor Fox. Um, this, so. this isn't to discount. It's crunch, 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 crunch. Crunch. Uh, this isn't to say that some people in life are not called to make the ultimate sacrifice. It doesn't mean that they aren't put in some uh, very harsh circumstances. You know, we, we, if we have this American mindset that, oh, we all get a 40 hour work week and a two week vacation and a blah, blah, blah. That's not everybody's life around the world. Um, you know, there are those who are in persecution and, and they're, you know, mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily whining because they didn't get their third meal in the day, blah, blah, blah. But, but as, as we are enabled, as we are capable of doing it, I think we ought to be good stewards. We ought to treat the temple right. We ought to exercise foresight when, the Bible says, um, you know, uh, the prudent man foreseeth the evil. Well, evil doesn't have to just be like something with horns on it and like make, give us goosebumps. Evil is something that's wrong. And if we look ahead and we say, you know, that would be harmful to me, that would be pushing myself too far, um, whatever, whatever, then we say, Let, how, how can I mitigate that? How can I mm -hmm. try to lay the groundwork now to be organized enough to handle that big thing when it comes and not be overly stressed. But in stewardship, last thing I'd say is in stewardship, I think you have two different components. In stewardship, you have the idea of investment. Um, and you think about the guy with one talent, well, at mm -hmm. least you could have done was invested it, you know, um, there's the idea of investment, but there's also the idea of maintenance. Um, and when I, I Proverbs 27, uh, 23 says, uh, and, and following, be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds for riches are not forever. And doth the crown endure to every generation. The hay appeareth, the tender grass showeth itself and herbs of the mountains are gathered. The lambs are for thy clothing and the goats are the price of the field. And thou shalt have goat's milk enough for thy food, for the food of thy household and for the maintenance for thy maidens here, you know, you've got to, you've got to look ahead and, and handle what you have appropriately so that you can maintain what you've got. Um, mm -hmm. anything we own, uh, you know, or uh, say anything we own, sure. a, a car, uh, a weed eater, it takes maintenance. Well, our bodies take maintenance. Well, it stands um, to reason that if a, if a righteous man is supposed to regard the life of his beast of burden, very good point. That he would very be expected point. to regard, regard the life his, of himself. 
Yes, right, right. And that's not one in the same of, of uh, you know, self-centeredness and self, uh, you know, absorption. You know, you're just all consumed to themselves. But no, but no, you actually have to recognize uh, who am I, how am I made, and how does God want me to function? What do I need in order to be an effective tool? Just mm-hmm. because you have energy to just, you know, to deadhead something. Well, but it, but is that what you're made to do and how you're made to operate constantly? Not necessarily. Yeah. So you, there's a lot to take into, into account there that I think is a counterbalance to some who would say, well, you just need to spend and be spent and hate your own life also. No, I think that's an extreme. Good. Yeah. Well, it's just, I can tell you at least personally, I, I wonder, and if I'm, if I'm, if I'm being honest, this is kind of, kind of embarrassing. <laughs> um, but you know, with our philosophy of ministry, we know that we often don't see things happening right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it is the danger of those in ministry <clears throat> to want to see things happen yeah sure and i'm one who refuses to to cave on my philosophy of ministry in that regard like i i i i want to pull myself back from trying to make things happen in ministry so i tend i think i tend to compensate hmm. in other areas so like uh outside work right? <laughs> things that I do, yeah, you I know, see. like working at the surgical center or in the business that I have. I mean, yeah, those things have a practical purpose in helping feed my family and pay our bills. But um, I kind of tend to overextend myself in a sense because it makes me feel productive. Right. Yeah, I see. Mm-hmm. And and in, 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 a, in a sense, you are kind of compensating there for maybe the biggest aspect of your life there, which, you know, in, in ministry, you don't really get to see things happen. You just have to preach to the air sometimes and hope that people are listening and internalizing things and that they're yielding to the Holy Spirit and, and you know, the changes that they might see in their life are often very personal or private and they're not o- often overtly public things. So, so you're kind of doing that all the time. So you kind of feel this itch to be productive in some other aspect of life. Mm. Um, and I wonder if that's what causes it. And, and maybe I'm not the only one who struggles with that. Um, well, you know, someone else listening does. And I, and I don't think that all that doesn't always have to be wrong in the sense that it isn't, it can't that be, um, you know, when we say rest, it doesn't always mean like go to bed. Right. Um, so, you know, you could, yesterday I had a, I had a day off and it's fun on a day off to say, uh, okay, well, I got this project I'm going to tackle at home, you know? Oh, right. yeah, great. We saw this progress on it. Now, good, yes, is it playing into, like, did I give myself any chance to rest during the week? Am I giving myself adequate sleep? Okay, we need to watch those things. But it doesn't mean just because it's my day off, I literally don't do anything. Uh, right. But that's div- just a change of pace. Yeah, it's a diversion. And that sense of, like you say, productivity could actually be healthy and helpful to when I step back in now to this role where I don't see as much happen overtly or externally, um, that you know, it helped provide that motivation. So I don't think that's always wrong. I, you know, I guess there's always a balance on things, but uh, I understand what you're yeah. saying as far as wanting to feel productive. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe, maybe someone else listening has the same problem. I don't know. <laughs> or I could, I could be the only one maybe, <laughs> I don't know, which yeah, would make this even, even more embarrassing. So. Um, <laughs> But anyway, um, anything you wanted to add to that? I, I feel nope. like uh, I'm kind of sitting over here. Usually, I've got something to say, but I've got nothing because I'm sitting here thinking, "Man, I just, I just got got preached at for a little bit here, and it was, it was beneficial. It was good." But 
Um, no, not well. Just say. he he mentions Elijah, First uh, Kings nineteen, and I think if you look, you're probably going to find other examples of even how God dealt with someone. And you remember Elijah's just depressed and discouraged. I remember the one time, and maybe that's that same story where, um, you know, he goes to sleep, he gets up, and God provides him food. You go back to sleep, <laughs> you know, he sleeps again, and he does that, and then he's going to go on the strength of that meat for however many days. But it's like for, first you need to rest, you need to eat. Go back to bed. Okay, eat again. <laughs> you know, and sometimes mm-hmm. that's what that's yeah. what you need is that physical uh that boost. And and you may find that in other examples of scripture as well, uh, how God dealt with that as as again a counterbalance, not maybe a chapter and verse, but an example of uh of God's principle of man needing rest and him recognizing that, and even providing for it. So Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I don't know that we don't have time to get to that second question. No, we do not. Um, Which shows we'll have, to, we'll we'll have to leave that one for main episode. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that means that besides my numerics discussion, we had one. See, and the, and the number one is <laughs> is everybody knows the number one. You know, I'm number one. It is primary. Some is is saying that this was a primary episode or a primary question in a primary question in a complete episode. Oh, yeah. See, I'm, I'm, so, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to stop you there. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're in the weeds now. So. <laughs> uh, thank you uh, listeners uh, for joining us again. And I hope you are enjoying the conversation. Please feel free to, um, to join in, in, in the sense of, giving us your thoughts and, uh, and letting us know what you're thinking. Question, uh, uh, disagreement, agreement, uh, let us know, reasontogetherpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, and if you want to become a patron over at patreon.com slash reasontogether, you can select one of the tier levels there at a dollar amount that reflects a numerological uh, principle that you've discovered in scripture. <laughs> no, don't, no, Good. no. Nice tie in but, there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Patreon.com slash reason together. If you want to become a supporter, we'd be grateful. All right. Thank you for being with us on this episode. We are encouraging balance, developing perspective and connecting faith to practice. This is reason together.